The following is a presentation of the Bellip Sports Media Network. You're listening to the Sports Scramble Podcast, where four friends serve up a weekly plate of sports with a side of SEC bias. Now, here are your hosts, Chet, Jacob, Wade, and Tyler. Let's go! And what is going on, everybody? And as you can see in here from your voice, it is a different voice. Uh, Chet is out there back in Houston doing a little bit of a business trip. So it's your host for this week, Tyler. I'm sure that we will have Chet back. But what a crazy weekend of football was, both in college football and also in the NFL. We had some upsets both in college football. Had a statement Saturday, a lot of ranked versus ranked matchups. So we'll get into it all. But once again, we have one of our couple of co-hosts. Uh, Wade just continues to be on here. And then we also have a special guest, Chris. She's also in our fantasy league. We'll get into our fantasy league, how see how our teams did and give you the starts of the week. So how are your boys weekend? Very good. I um I didn't have quite as adventurous of a weekend as Chris did. We'll get to that in a, in a few. But I did catch the LSU game. Um from up high against Arkansas and watched the Tigers get a victory and then watched a little bit of NFL yesterday, but got to say, I was quite mad to see the Ravens lose to the Colts. It took me out of my office eliminator challenge. And Chris, how was your weekend? My weekend was, was pretty chaotic. A little bit of a a travel weekend. I'm sure we'll get into it once you guys uh, bring it up, but uh, traveled to the Pacific Northwest, saw a couple of good games, both college and pro. Um, a little bit, a little bit, uh, a little bit hazy coming back at the red eye. Landed in DC at seven thirty this morning. You couldn't uh, fly back with the Panthers? <laughs> no, nah, I couldn't. I couldn't. They didn't let me <laughs> on. <laughs> so, um, uh, took a quick nap. Got some work done and ready to rock and roll. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, definitely uh, great to have you on. Let's get right into it. We have a full menu of sports uh, to get onto it. Uh, we have two NFL games going on right now: the Eagles and the Buccaneers. The Eagles right now are up thirteen to three at the half. Last time I checked, the Rams are up three to nothing over the Bengals. And yes, Joey B is playing, but it doesn't look like he's doing too hot. Uh, so let's get into our NFL recap. We'll also get into the preview uh, later on once we get into our top five games in both NFL and college football. But let's just rip the Band-Aid off right now. I'm a Saints fan. I just want to get this game out the way, and we can talk about <laughs> all the other games. It was looking so great. Uh, you know, 17 nothing going into the fourth quarter. Uh, Derek got injured. That was definitely the main story of this game. Uh, he's going to be week to week. In a press conference today, Dan Sound said that he was – going to be week to week it wasn't a severe injury uh, but it's looking like famous Jameis is going to have his time uh, wasn't great though on Sunday afternoon against Green Bay Packers uh, but hey you got to give credit uh, to Green Bay and Jordan Love uh, he was able to put those uh, throws on the money one to Dobbs uh, one to Jaden Reed and the Packers uh, came back and now they are two and one going on to a Thursday night matchup against the Detroit Lions so Wade is it time to panic for the New Orleans Saints? It feels like we have this question every season, especially with a quarterback going down again. No, it's not time to panic, but I, I definitely think that this offense is so sluggish. Even when Derek Carr was healthy, I just kept waiting for New Orleans to just take off, and and they just haven't. Um, the receiving core is, is as good as any probably in the NFC. If Olave and Thomas can play to their true potential, you have the breakout star in Rashid Shahid. But yet they just seem sluggish for all that speed. So uh, it's not time to panic yet. Um, 
but Atlanta, they've had their offensive struggles. Carolina actually looks very good offensively at the moment. Um, and the Buccaneers, hey, that's the surprise team. So if I'm the Buccaneers, I got to find a way to win tonight and uh, capitalize on my division rival losing their quarterback. Yeah, I mean, that division right now, you know, you got the Panthers uh, who, who are sitting 0-3. The Saints, you know, had a very prime opportunity uh, to really be that only team to go 3-0, uh, depending on if the Bucks can pull off a comeback tonight of the Falcons. They fall uh, to 2-1 and one with their recent loss. But on the other side, you know, Green Bay was out most of the majority of their starters. You know, David Bakhtiari didn't play in this one. Aaron Jones didn't play. And they also had Jair Alexander. Uh, so, uh, Chris, tell me about, you know, the Packers, what this one does for them moving forward. You know, do you see them uh, taking down the Lions on Thursday night? Uh, I think that's one of the uh, best matchups we've had so far uh, up, up until this early, uh, early month of the season. And when you look at the, uh, the weapons that Jordan Love has, not many people come to mind. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, no Christian Watson. Um, you got, I, I believe the top receiver was Romeo Dobbs, who I was mm-hmm. kind of had a, a little bit of a, a drops issue last year and guys like Jaden Reed rookies, Luke Musgrave, uh, they're all, they're all coming up and, and performing. Um, I, I had put this game in the back burner cause saints were up 17 to three, I believe. Um, 17 to nothing. 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 Yeah. Okay. 17 to nothing. And they might up um, 10 early when cashed out. Four, mind <laughs> you. <laughs> um, so it's I think this kind of brings up the narrative of are the uh are the, is Jordan Love kind of becoming coming into his fruition and and you know having a great coach like Matt LaFour really, really helps. Uh having a great play call. I, I think I saw a great thing about their game management on how they went for the two point conversion because they knew they needed another touchdown afterwards anyways, uh, which Maybe we'll get into it later. Another uh, another <laughs> AFC West uh, AFC West team did not do. So I think this really puts them in a good spot. That division is pretty weak besides the Lions. And maybe if you don't win the division, you'll be good enough to compete for a wild card. And the NFC, that's a little bit more spread out than we thought it was. Yeah, you definitely make a great point. I mean, the NFC, who knows who's going to win it? It feels like the Eagles and the 49ers are the top of the king. Uh, but outside of that, it feels like everyone's just trying to crawl their way into the playoffs. Uh, but going back to the Saints side, uh, there is some good news. Alvin Kamara will be coming back with a three-game suspension. They definitely need that. The running game was pretty much non-existent. Tony Jones Jr. couldn't really get much. You saw spurts. Other rookie, Keandre Miller. Uh, but Saints will try to bounce back. They got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, and that's going to be an insane game. It always is. We had the Mike Evans versus Marshawn Lattimore. There's probably going to be a fight. So, yeah. The boxing <laughs> so matchup. So if there's any betting on fights happening, uh, this would be the game. Uh, but we'll so move Evans on. in your lineup. <laughs> yeah, we'll move on uh, from that game. The next one was another surprise. How about the Houston Texans absolutely dominating the Jacksonville Jaguars from start to finish, putting up 30 points? I think the Jaguars, uh, to start, are the most disappointing teams. And fantasy turns, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, that man needs to wake up. I know that Wade has him on his fantasy team. He can definitely attest to that. But hey, that I got offers, Kirko. Kirko, yeah. Captain Kirko. <laughs> yeah, you definitely made the right choice going with Captain Kirk, even with the loss. We'll talk about the Vikings uh, later on. But, man, the Houston Texans, I'm really liking what C.J. Stroud uh, has been doing. I think that this offense is starting to click. You know, the first two games they got blown out looked bad against the Ravens. Uh, but 
I think, you know, the Houston Texans, the way that AFC South uh, is playing out, it's looking like another wide open race. I feel like there's not really one team that's really pulled away so far. You would have thought that the Jaguars would be, you know, the number one seed, but last week, you know, the, against the Chiefs, the offense looked bad and they continued on this. So, Chris, I know that we talked about in last week's show. Do you still see the Jaguars taking the AFC South? Um, these first three weeks are, are way worse than I expected. Um, I had put the Jaguars up at least a top three seed in the AFC, like bubbled and penciled in. Um, you know, it's not a sense of Trevor not having weapons because he definitely does. Um, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not exactly sure if, if the defense has been holding up its side of the ball as well, you know, giving up a, a, a good chunk of points to the Colts last uh, in their one win, and then 37 to, to the Texans is almost kind of crazy, especially when we came into the season thinking the Texans would be probably a bottom five, bottom seven team. Yeah, I mean, keep an eye on them. I mean, they host Pittsburgh. I mean, I think that it could definitely be a great game. Uh, the way that Pittsburgh Dolphins, too, that could definitely be a defensive battle. But Wade, do you think that C.J. Stroud is an early uh, offensive rookie of the year candidate? Hey, I think C.J. Stroud has all the tools. I didn't watch him a ton in college for whatever reason, so I was a little bit higher on Bryce Young coming out of college. But C.J. Stroud, man, he's he's got the tools. Ohio State didn't ever let him run. He's even running in the NFL now a little bit. And um, just very accurate and just looks mature back there. No interceptions. I guess I probably just jinxed him. Um <laughs> Not to say that there's any panic about Bryce Young quite yet, and I think Anthony Richardson is doing exactly what we expected, you know. Uh, but out of the three, I mean, you just got to really like what you're seeing from C.J. Stroud if you're the Texans, especially since you gave up draft capital capital um, for this upcoming draft to go get his counterpart on defense, Will Anderson. So this team has no incentive to, to lose, you know. They don't have a draft pick in the top five if, if they – are a bottom team. So they're going for it now and they brought in some veterans and I, I think they're going to make a push kind of like the Bengals did in, in Joe Burrow's first full year. Yeah. They're a sneaky young team. I definitely think they can make some noise. You know, I, you speak of that narrative, you know, Ohio state quarterbacks, they haven't really fared out. Well, I think that CJ Stroud could be the next one, but one that hasn't done so well is Justin Fields and the bears talk about an absolute blowout. You know, Taylor Swift was there with all the rumors <laughs> going around of him dating uh, Travis Kelsey. You have, People all over Swifties trying to grab, hey, can I get Travis Kelsey from your fantasy teams? No, you cannot. At least we'll <laughs> trade anybody on our team for, yes. for Travis Kelsey. She will Kelsey, literally yeah. trade her kidney, her whole entire team. So if you're listening, <laughs> if, if any of you had Travis Kelsey out there, at least Wade's wife would like her him on her fantasy team. Uh, but we're not going to spend too much time on this one. This was pretty expected. This one was over by the half of uh, the Chiefs were up 31 to nothing, 34 to nothing going into the second half. Uh, so Patrick Mahomes got to sit the bench uh, going into the fourth quarter. The, you know, Blaine Gabbert, he got a drive. He scored a touchdown. So I think that the Bears, uh, really main takeaway, they are just looking like one of the awful teams in the NFL right now. I mean, I thought that Justin Fields was going to be one of the most underrated fantasy quarterbacks. Nope, just the same old typical offense. They can't push it down the field. DJ Moore, that was definitely a nice addition, but I mean, you have a quarterback. You like, have a quarterback to use him. Yeah, you got to be able to have yeah. a quarterback to use him. Uh, so, another team that was in the dumps this uh, this week was the Denver Broncos. I think that the state of Colorado was definitely the losers of this weekend, as both either a college team or their NFL professional team got absolutely boat raced. Uh, but 
Dolphins hanging 70, and you probably won your fantasy matchups if you had one of these Dolphins, whether that was Tyreek Hill putting up over 150 yards and two touchdowns, Raheem Mostert having four rushing touchdowns. Who saw that coming into this weekend? And then Devon A-Chain having over 200 rushing yards and four touchdowns. He had two rushing touchdowns and also two receiving touchdowns. And two a time is looking like the real deal. He had uh, 29 fantasy points. Uh, to end. Uh, so is it too early, both of you gentlemen, for the Dolphins to be Super Bowl contenders? They already are. They're there. I mean, they have the best offense in the league right now. I'm still not 100% sold on like Tua being a top five quarterback in the NFL. There's other guys I'd like leading this offense, but it's effective. Uh, nobody manages for their set of players better in my eyes than than Mike McDaniels at this point. And um, if you introduce a weapon like A-Chain, I mean, this team just has so much speed. And uh, I know that Chris is fond of, of a few of these Dolphins. And, hey, guys, uh, Jay, Jalen Waddle didn't even play in this game. Nope. So there's more speed nope. to come. <laughs> Chris, what are your I thoughts on the Dolphins? I think it's absolutely incredible how um, – they've kind of just transformed into this offensive juggernaut. That's uh, like, especially in the first three weeks, is looking like guaranteed to put up points. And what's also been kind of surprising is this defense has been kind of good. It's been pretty decent. Um, you got you got veterans like Xavier Howard, Emmanuel Ogba, um, Bradley Chubb. And remember, Jalen Ramsey comes back from injury. So this secondary might be locked down for a while. Um, and I think – uh, you're going to need that, especially when you're trying to play catch up because you know this team's going to score. Yeah, this team I, has one of the most potent offenses. And if that defense can play, you talked about Jalen Ramsey coming back. Chewy, you better. And I think that makes some trades. When you yeah. can. Yeah. yeah. I think that they really had a, a good offseason. They have some young talent. You know, they have a <laughs> lot of young talent uh, in the running backs. You know, we saw Mostert, but I think that Devon A. Chain is going to be their lead back moving forward but on the other side i mean sean payton at the start of the season saying that that they know hackett was the worst coach in denver boy karma is just eating him alive (laughs) and i'm absolutely loving it he left the saints he can go ahead and you know with russell wilson and cook it up there Uh, so but another zero and three team i think this is definitely more surprising uh it's the minnesota vikings you know this was the battle of zero and two versus zero and two you had the chargers versus the vikings you do that both offenses would have come to play you know justin herbert had himself a day over 400 yards passing and a couple touchdowns keaton allen the main story though is mike williams today out for the year torn acl so if you're a fantasy owner out there definitely go pick up somebody <laughs> tank dell from the houston texans uh, would be one of my top options to go free advice here yeah hey if i'm the host you know i'm getting some fantasy we're gonna get a little <laughs> sprinkles everywhere but uh I mean, the Vikings are 0-3. This was just a team a year ago, you know, the first-round exit of the New York Giants. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they won 11 games. Uh, they cruised through the NFC North. You know, is it time? I, I'm going to open the floor to both of you. Is it time to let Kirk walk the plank? When you think about this game, especially before it happened, I think that whichever team lost, there you can make a case that their next – three years could look incredibly different. Chargers lost. You got to think about repercussions of Brandon Staley's job on the line. Also, Brandon Staley also trying to throw this game by going for fourth and one on their own 20. It seems like deja vu, but it, it happened again. <laughs> um, and now, if, since the Vikings do lose, you're 0-3. Uh, you're clearly the third best team in your division. 
what what gives? Do you try and kind of you know cut your losses, get some draft capital, and then try and build for the future? Uh, because besides uh, besides the passing game, everything else is pretty mediocre to bad. The defense secondary, as you can see, Justin Herbert, 44, 47, 405 yards. Uh, and then the run game, I, I just don't think Alexander Madison and Cam Akers are very exciting and, and explosive. So I think it might be time to kind of see what your options are. I bet Kevin O'Connell's a smart coach and he'll, he'll know what to do next. I've never seen a team go so quick to to reset mode. I mean, this is a team that I thought could be the second best team in the NFC this year uh, behind the Eagles. I liked the quarterback situation better than what I saw in San Francisco. I thought the offensive weapons were there. We knew the defense would be a little soft, but oh my gosh, Justin Herbert. I mean, he couldn't have gone and walked it to his receivers any better. <laughs> it was just, you know, give the guy some credit. He's a great quarterback, but the Vikings definitely made it very easy for him to tear up their uh, their defense. So, um, yeah, I think this team has to face reality. Kirk Cousins, he's tired of being the scapegoat. He's going to have a chance to play somewhere else and compete for a Super Bowl at the tail end of his career, and it's a very deep quarterback draft class coming up. So at this point, it's just a matter of how quickly are the Vikings picking, um, and do they separate ties with Cousins midseason and try to get you know a second round pick or something, or do they just kind of let them float off in the free agency? But I would imagine this team is um, going to be sending some scouts to North Carolina, to USC, to South Carolina, to you know just start looking at some of these quarterbacks because they got to face reality. So you LSU guys, what what happens to the, the the offensive player of the year? That's another big thing you got to think about. I mean, I mean, I really blow it up, or is he young enough that you think you can get another window um, with his talent? But he's also due. Jefferson is due for a um, a contract extension. And so while he's cheap now, you know, are you going to unload the bank for a for a guy that can only do so much? I mean, he's already doing it all for your team, and you're zero and three. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the Vikings, they have a lot of answers on the table. Uh, you know, they get another 0-3 matchup. Uh, is a team that needs a win here, the, the Vikings and the Panthers. And we'll get right into the Panthers. And uh, we'll let uh, Chris uh, give this one away as he was right there uh, in the 12th man. Uh, tell me how that environment was. Uh, it was incredible. Uh, a, little, a little backstory on me. I'm, me. Me and Wade, we knew each other from high school. I grew up in South Carolina. been a Panthers fan all my life. Uh, and been trying to explore different different environments and just watch some good games um, and was able to go out to Seattle this weekend. And when I tell you it's loud, like loud is an understatement. And, and I like it is deafening. The, the, the energy is literally bouncing around in the stadium. The stadium's built kind of like that. So like all the noise that's made by these people all kind of goes up and then comes back down. So it's kind of like a cocoon of noise, and um, <laughs> a hawk, a hawk's nest of noise. A hawk's nest. Yes, yes exactly. Uh, amazing because it was made me feel really old. It is the uh, 2013 Super, uh, Seattle Super Bowl, the one where they beat up on Peyton Manning by like 30 points. It was their 10th anniversary, so they were honoring that team at halftime. All right, and got to see the Legion of Boone. Legion of Boom, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, Doug Baldwin, Jermaine Curse. Oh, Doug Baldwin, guys. man, I forgot about him. Dang. Yeah, some of these guys that we we you know we grew up with in middle middle and high school that don't play anymore, and seeing them live. Of uh, uh, Bennett, Michael Bennett, 
Um, a lot of those guys, they came out, they were you know, signing autographs and stuff for Seattle fans. And, you know, it made me really want, want, a, want a Super Bowl so that we can do that in 10 years. But the, the atmosphere is incredible. I'll also say um, one of the nicest fan bases I've, I've ever encountered. Um, I've been to a few, few rowdy, rowdy places. I went to an Eagles game last year. And it is just night and day. And it just makes that, that it just so much better. The, the meanest thing someone told me was I was wearing a blue Bryce Young jersey. So uh, a, a probably 60, 70-year-old man was like, hey, son, that's the wrong shade of blue here. And I'm <laughs> like, if that's what you're going to tell me and that's the heckling, I'll take it. There's not much, yeah. more, not much more you could ask for. Yeah, it could definitely would have been a lot worse. You know, you could have tossed some, a couple of beers. But no, if you ever – Get up there, go to the 12th man. That's definitely one of the special environments that you get to. I mean, the state of Washington has some beautiful stadiums. You know, the University of Washington Stadium, Husky Stadium, pretty much the same thing in the cocoon. Mm-hmm. One of the loudest stadiums uh, in college football. Uh, but we'll wrap up uh, the co- uh, not the college football, the NFL talk with one more game. Another surprise was the Arizona Cardinals taking down the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys were looking like the team to beat. They had a plus 63 point differential. They beat up on two New York teams. Uh, the first one, uh, Blake, the New York Giants, and then Zach Wilson and the Jets. That's not too really hard to beat that team uh, nowadays. Uh, but Cowboys now fall uh, to two and one. Uh, the DAC attack didn't look too good in that one. You know, they fed uh, Tony Pollard a lot in this game. He had another 100 rushing yards in this one. But Joshua Dobbs, I mean, this Dallas Cowboys defense without Trayvon Diggs, just look completely lost. Uh, so do you think that Diggs injury, I'll leave this open to the floor, is going to hurt this uh, Dallas defense going forward? I think it was the shell shock, you know, that he got hurt at practice. I think a lot of the players disagreed with the drill that he got hurt on. It's like a one-on-one um, man coverage drill. I, I don't know. That sounds pretty standard to me, but some of the players were griping about it because then the NFL, you simply don't have your ones go on your ones midweek um it's unfortunate but come on if this dallas team is going to contend for championships you can't even let this game be close i just think that this team didn't wake up and um just got very relaxed on on a road game here and hey it's the nfl any given sunday we saw some upsets this weekend uh with with arizona and and um houston winning games indianapolis beating the ravens so these guys are all professionals um the guys playing for Arizona don't want to lose because that only makes their replacements better um, in the draft. So, yeah, they're going to give it their all. And it's early in the year. Every team's got a little bit of fight in them. So really disappointing here for Dak Prescott, especially. I mean, we keep waiting on this guy to make that leap. To me, you know, he could be a top 10 quarterback. But moments like he had in the fourth quarter, just every time, man, it just makes him look about league average. I'd also like to think that. You know, preconceived preseason perceptions of teams in college, it, I think, is the absolute worst. But in the NFL, it's a little bit more of a level playing field. We had, at least I had, the Cardinals papered down as the bottom of the barrel team. And, you know, they had themselves kind of, in that fashion. Yeah. Right. And, you know, they, you know, they stole or they released their veteran quarterback and they said, you know, we're going to choose between this rookie or this journeyman and, and Joshua Dobbs. And three weeks in, they are two plays away from being 3-0. and They lost to the Commanders by two points, and then they lost to the the comeback of the the, the century, Danny Dimes, that second half. Uh, That's one season with Danny Dimes. Yeah, like that somehow happened. 
Um, so maybe maybe on on paper this this Cardinals team is not very uh, talently deep, but maybe you know Jonathan Gannon has has a good defense in play and is being able to kind of stifle these these bigger offenses. Uh, back to your point, Wade. Man, that red zone, the red zone team in general in, on the Cowboys. I think Mike McDaniel's calling the plays. Maybe a little bit of a disconnect to what we've expected in the past couple of years, but having those type of plays be called in the red zone, you know, three field goals in the red zone, and then that last play, oh man, that that pick in the end zone was just devastating. There was nothing but red. Was, yeah, that puts the, the cherry <laughs> on the cake for all the all the Dak doubters, which, uh, you know, you got to perform when you're in the NFL in big moments like that. And this is just a letdown. Yeah, definitely a letdown. I mean, the, the Cardinals, like you mentioned, they're a couple of wins away. I mean, if this team was 3-0 coming off a victory of Dallas, so, so we'll see if, uh, you know, Arizona can make some noise in that division. But, man, Dallas uh, definitely needs this one. Uh, they'll host the Patriots. So we'll close the book there on, on NFL week number four. Let's get into some quick picks. Uh, let's go into – NFL week number five, uh, we picked uh, top five games uh, to pick. So let's start off with the Thursday night game. Lions at Packers. Wait, who you got? All right. I'm going to go with the the Packers, man. I just think they got the momentum. I like what Jordan Love's doing. And on the on the quick week, I just uh, I trust the home team in uh, Green Bay. Chris, who you got? I agree with you, Wade. And also, big point, Aaron Jones tracking to uh, to return, you know, get another weapon, uh, you know, a dump-off pass here, or, you know, guaranteed probably 60 to 100 yards of rushing. Um, you know, Lambeau's a pretty hard place to win at night, so I got the Packers as well. Yeah, I got the Packers too. I think that I probably would have buried them if they were just uh, lost that game. Uh, so I think uh, I expect Aaron Jones to be healthy in this one. I think that this is going to be uh, definitely a battle here in the NFC North. Uh, but I'll take uh, the Lambeau Leapers uh, to win this one uh, over the lines. I think it's going to be a very good game. Uh, next one, it feels like one of the biggest games here in the AFC East. Dolphins at Bills. Chris, who you got? You got to ride uh, ride that hot hand. I, I think I think the Dolphins will be able to be able to do it. Um, I think that a part of me believes that Tua can take that leap. You know, if he puts up a statement of 75% completion, 300 plus yards, three touchdowns here, you got to put him in, in atop that MVP race. Um, and I think the Bills are a little bit liable, a little bit suspect. This past weekend against the Commanders, I think, was just an, an absolute shooting themselves in the foot from Sam Howell for a few times. But uh, the Bills defense will come to play, but I think. Tyreek, Devon A. Chain, as Jalen Waddle comes back, this offense is going to be unstoppable. Probably a shootout, I think. Both teams 30-plus. I'm going to ride the hot hand, too. I, I got to go with the Dolphins. Um, I really like what I've seen out of the Bills since they lost to the Jets, but you got to like what you see out of the Miami Dolphins. Well, whatever the over is, I think I would definitely feel safe for taking it. These are two explosive offenses, uh, but I'm going to go Bills Mafia on this one. I think that this is a team that's not ready – Quite ready to give up that division crown, uh, so I'll give the Bills. I think it's going to be like a 35-31 type of game, but I do think that Tua and that offense uh, is definitely on a hot streak, uh, so wouldn't be surprised if they win, but I think that the Bills, uh, with their home fans, I think that they get the job done. Going on now to the AFC North, Ravens at Browns. I'll go ahead and say it. I'm going to take the Browns in this one. This is going to be a defensive battle. I think you know Lamar Jackson might turn into – an RB1 here, but I don't think it's going to be that Lamar Jackson game that we saw this past uh, 
couple of days ago against the Colts. So I think that this is going to be like a 10 to 13 type of game, two explosive defenses. So I'll take the Browns. Wait, who you got? I got to go with the Browns too. I'm, I'm just salty with the Ravens. They, uh, <laughs> they lost my office pool survival pick and the offense is just putrid, man. I mean, all they do is dump it off to Zay Flowers. Uh, so yeah, uh, Deshaun Watson looked a little bit better on sat on sunday minus one really bizarre play but other than that he did well and i'm gonna take the browns i think they get kareem hunt more involved this week you go with the clean sweep we're going clean sweep uh i, I think just a couple of weeks ago we were talking about how this is the best uh the best weapons that lamar's ever had and we're looking around they might be there but they're not using them they're <laughs> or they're hurting flowers i thought but they flowers and yeah, I, I agree. I think that Browns defense is suffocating. Miles Garrett, that secondary is pretty good. Denzel Ward. Um, and Jerome Ford, admirably fitting in a few times. Yeah. Amari Cooper with a big game, too. I think I think the Browns will be able to do it. I agree with you, Tyler. Pretty defensive. Maybe like a 20 to 13, 20 to 17 type game. But, yeah, I, I think that defense is just pretty tough to, tough to beat, especially at home. Yeah, Bottom Browns half. are definitely going to want to to slow it down on both sides of the ball. Uh, so we'll go on now to the NFC East. This is probably going to be another clean sweep, uh, but the Commanders are 2-1. and one. Not many of us had them getting two wins already. Then uh, the Eagles uh, right now, they're they're dominating uh, the, the Buccaneers. Uh, so, Wade, who you got between the Commanders and Eagles? I'm going with the Eagles. I think um, they're rounding into form, and if, if you wanted to beat them, you should have met them week one and two, and uh, nobody even did it then, so. Yeah, this team is going to be pretty good. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Eagles. Chris, I'm assuming you're going to go with the Eagles too. <laughs> going to go with the Eagles. Yeah, it's going to be a rude welcoming for Sam Howell to go into the link. Um, I'm not exactly sure if he'll, if those receivers can also get past that good secondary of the Eagles. Uh, you know, front seven, Jalen Hurts, you know the drill. I think, I think Eagles win double digits. And last but not least, it's the battle of 0-3s. And, uh, and no, we're not talking about the Bears and the Broncos. We're talking about the Vikings uh, and the Panthers. Uh, not sure if Bryce Young is going to be back or not. It might be Andy Dalton versus Kirk Cousins. Boy, what a quarterback battle that would be. But, Chris, who you got getting their first win of the season, Vikings or Panthers at home? Unbiasedly, I think the Panthers. And here, I'll, I'll let you know. The Adam Thielen Bowl. Never thought we'd yeah. see that. but <laughs> Adam Thielen getting yeah. revenge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Andy Dalton in person looked kind of really good. And yeah. I know I think the Seahawks can still start. The Seahawks defense is pretty, pretty whole, has some holes, especially uh some safety at the safety position. But I'd just like to point out Andy Dalton threw the ball 58 times. Oh my goodness. I didn't know that. <laughs> 34 of 58 for 361 and two touchdowns. And that's pretty impressive. No matter what, if you're throwing 360 against any NFL defense. It's 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 pretty good. And this secondary against the Vikings, like we saw Justin Herbert exposed, I don't think Andy Dalton's gonna be able to do it in the, the caliber that Justin Herbert did, but I could definitely see DJ Chark getting a deep touchdown, Adam Thielen getting a deep touchdown. The run game is a little bit dicey. Miles Sanders is not the best running back, and especially nope. when you need like that explosive, explosive play. Um, but I think it'll be a I think it'll be a competitive game. Uh, but I do think the Panthers might eke this one out. And and I, I, as a Panthers fan, it pains me to say Andy Dalton gives us the best chance to win, uh, especially if, if Bryce Young is even per, like minusculely gimpy with that ankle. Um, Adam Thielen's, uh, uh, sorry, Andy Dalton's able to move around, escape the pocket, make 
throws that you know NFL veterans can make, not rookies who are five foot nine can make. So uh, I think the Panthers, I think the Panthers eat this one out in a close game, maybe by three or five. Where are you going with your hometown boys? Uh, don't don't pull on the heartstrings here. You know, I'm trying to be unbiased. <laughs> look, I, I agree with Chris. I think it's going to be close. I look for Adam Thielen to have a, a really good game. But I just can't buy the Vikings going 0-4 unless it's intentional. I mean, if, if they might huddle up on Tuesday and say, hey, guys, we're uh, tanking for Caleb Williams. And if they lose on, on Sunday, they better. Uh, but I'm just going to go with the statistics here and say that the Vikings are better than a one and three team. So I think they get, get it done close. Um, but I think the Panthers, I think the Panthers will get on another run like they did last year late once, um, Bryce Young is fully healthy and kind of figures out the ins and outs of the NFL. I'm going to go Panthers just because I just trust their defense more than the Vikings. The Vikings defense defense, does look very good. Yeah, I think that the Panthers' defense, they have a lot of young talent. You know, J.C. Horn's been battling though, with injury. We'll see if he's back. Uh, but I think that this offense, you know, if Andy Dalton, you saw some spurts in that offense. Adam Thielen, revenge factor in this one. I think that he he is just motivated to beat his former team. So I think that the Panthers get this one done laying a 21-17 type game. Tyler, I got I to gotta go against that that defense being good, man. Our defense, mm. it, our defense would look good against the Saints. Yeah, us <laughs> in that second half against the Seahawks. And they part have of it is rush. part. Of, yeah, pass rush is great. Uh, Brian Burns, top top five pass rusher in the league, top ten pass rusher in the league. Derek Brown, good run stopper. But uh, Frankie Luvu got injured, who is I think one of the most underrated linebackers in the entire league, um, as well as J.C. Horn's probably out, and our like third string, second string safeties and corners are really, really bad. Like really, really bad. So <laughs> I, I, I think this might be a little bit more high scoring than we expect it to be. Uh, but uh, I sure hope, man. I, I one, one can pray, one can hope. Yeah, I think that if if the definitely the Vikings lose this game, that there would definitely be a, a lot of question marks. Uh, that's going to do it. Uh, hit for NFL, uh, but let's get into uh, one of our favorite fan uh, se- fan segments here, and that is my fantasy football corner. Uh, before we get into our matchups and how our teams did, let's get into some weekly starts and sits uh, of the week. We did pretty good uh, last week. We just continue to keep giving good advice uh, on this show. So let's go ahead and pull up the PowerPoint here. Let's see. Yeah. Entire screen. All right, let's go ahead and do it. Week number four, and no, this is not a duplicate. Justin Herbert is back here on my list. He had an insane game, 404 yards and three touchdowns, and I think that it's just going to get better and better. Justin Herbert, I said in the in the preseason leading up to this season that, you know, Justin Herbert last season, it was just an offseason. I just didn't think that that was going to happen. You know, even without Mike Williams being hurt, they uh, they drafted rookie Quinn Johnson. I think that he's just going to step right in. Keaton Allen, he is just being his top target. You know, Austin Eckler has been out. Who knows if he's going to be available? But if you're looking who they're going up against, it's the Las Vegas Raiders defense. And the Raiders defense is a defense that if you have an opposing quarterback, you better be starting him. So I think that Justin Herbert coming off of a big game, I think that he continues to have these big games, especially at home, Chargers. And Raiders, these are teams one and two. I think whoever wins this one is back in that playoff discussion. So I think that Justin Herbert, even without the injury with Mike Williams, I think that this offense with Kellen Moore calling the plays, it's been an explosive offense. So Rye with Herbert 
versus a Raiders defense that's been struggling. All right, let's go on now to the running back start of the week. We're going to go with Kenneth Walker the third. He was absolutely insane uh, this past uh, week. I'd say uh, this past week against the Carolina Panthers defense, like we were just talking about. Uh, 18 attempts, 97 yards, and two touchdowns. That was 30.6 fantasy points if you're playing in PPR. Uh, he's projected in week number four, 15.1. I think that the Seahawks offense you know, in week number one really struggled against Los Angeles Rams. A lot of people are saying, where did this really come from? I thought that the, you know the Seahawks were going to be one of those teams that were going to be sneaky. Uh, in that division above the Seahawks, we love this matchup going up against the New York Giants offense. And if you looked at the two running backs that they just faced, I know Kenneth Walker is not in the same flesh of CMC. But if you look at it, Tony Pollard had two touchdowns and over 100 yards. CMC had over 100 yards and got a touchdown. I think that Kenneth Walker, he's definitely going to have his fair share, not only in the rushing game, but also in the re receiving department. So going up against the New York Giants defense, uh, the, the rushing attack has really struggled for the Giants in the first couple of weeks. So I think that Kenneth Walker is due for yet another big game. Let's go on now to the wide receiver star of the week. Wade, I know that I got on your bad side of sitting, uh, Rashad White, but this week I'm on your good side. Devontae well, Adams. you were right. I'll give it to you. Yeah, I was right. Uh, but 42.2, 13 receptions, 172 yards, and two touchdowns against a tough Pittsburgh Steelers secondary. If he can do it against the Steelers, he can do it against the Chargers secondary. We've seen them, and they just haven't really been able to have any answers. There's been some injuries. Uh, so I think that Devontae Adams, he's just really quarterback prone. I think, I mean, even if Zach Wilson was his quarterback, he would still be going off. So <laughs> I think that Devontae Adams, he has to trust his elite-level talent. Uh, Jimmy G is going to him because there's not really many weapons outside of him. You know, Hunter Renfro, not really. And then also Jacoby Myers has been dealing with a hamstring injury too. Uh, so I think that Devontae Adams, I think this is going to be more of a high-scoring game. Once again, Raiders, Chargers, a team, both of these teams really need a win. I think that Devontae Adams, I'm not going to say he gets to 42, but I think that he could definitely get over 100 yards and get a couple of touchdowns to add to his name. So Adams versus the Chargers secondary that's been exposed in the first couple of weeks. I expect Jimmy G in that passing attack to have a very good day. All right, let's get it now to the negatives, get to our quarterback sit of the week, and that is Lamar Jackson. I kind of hinted at this when we were talking about the Browns and the Ravens matchup. I just don't expect many points going into this one. You know, Lamar, we finally saw him get that rushing touchdown. He had two on the day, 202 passing yards, zero passing touchdowns. I just don't think that this is a game that you don't really feel comfortable of starting Lamar Jackson. If you have somebody else behind him that you feel comfortable on, that would definitely bench Jackson, but if you don't really have any other options, then you just have to go with him. But going up against a Browns defense that has been one of the best, I think that, you know, Lamar Jackson, he's an elite-level talent. At quarterback, he's still going to give you that rushing ability, but I just don't think that there's going to be many passing yards at the share. So I think that there's not going to be many points, not many touchdowns, so I am benching Lamar Jackson this week against a tough Browns defense. Running back sit of the week. Let's keep this going. Go with another big name, Joe Mixon. Mixon is currently playing right now. Not sure what he's been doing. Whenever this video goes out, you'll probably know if either lost or won your fantasy matchup. Uh, but the Bengals get another tough week uh, going up against the Tennessee Titans. If you have a running back going up against the Tennessee Titans, bench him. I don't care what, what level of talent that you have at the running back position. The Tennessee Titans 
and one of the best rushing defenses in the league. Joe Mixon and this Bengals offense has been struggling. Uh, if, if they can continue to do it this tonight against uh, the Los Angeles Rams, I don't expect them to do it against the Tennessee Titans. I expect this one to be a low-scoring game. Uh, so Mixon, just put him on the bench uh, for this week and wait for a better matchup in the coming weeks. The next one was a guy that I would never thought that I would have on my sit, but that is Garrett Wilson. Just can't really start him uh, this week. You know, not only was Zach Wilson – just not really being effective uh, through the air. He got 9.8 uh, fantasy points, five receptions, 48 yards. That's okay. But where you really drafted him, Garrett Wilson, you know, was a borderline first-round draft pick, a second-round draft pick. Uh, so the Jets get another tough matchup. The Kansas City Chiefs secondary has been one of the most underrated forces uh, in the league. You know, the Jaguars uh, struggled to pass. The Bears struggled to pass with them. Really, no offense has had any problems uh, so i think with garrett wilson with the struggles of zach wilson pair that with a really stout Chiefs secondary you got to sit garrett wilson this week uh, so that's it uh, i'll leave up the floor to you uh if you have any thoughts about the wide receivers you know the going from Devonte adams to garrett wilson what are your thoughts on the starts of the sits heading into week number four you're getting bold on us tyler you're throwing some, some big names there <laughs> Telling people to sit Joe Mixon, who could be somebody's RB1, but I think you're absolutely on it. Um, You do have to look at matchups, and uh, those sits especially, they're all going up against really not necessarily tough defenses, but tough defensive units. You know, Tennessee, whole different game for T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. They're must-starts because the Bengals are just going to exploit the passing game in that game, uh, but the running game shouldn't do too well. And, uh, yeah, a guy like Lamar, it's tough to gauge because he does have that run value. Um, but if they're not going to score more than two touchdowns in the game, his value is definitely capped. Yeah. Great point on the on that uh, Garrett Wilson pick as well. I think the Chiefs secondary has been kind of lights out. And with Zach Wilson unable to throw the ball 15 yards accurately, I'm not sure where Garrett Wilson's getting any of his points from. Um, maybe some screen passes or dump offs here and there. Uh, but, you know, to be able to start him against a, you know, a vaunted, tough, tough area like like the Chiefs uh, like the Chiefs can put up, I'm not exactly sure. So I like that pick as well. Yeah, I would I would not think that I've ever had these big names uh, on the sits, but that's just the matchups. You got to do it. Uh, but let's get into how our fantasy teams are doing. Chris, we'll start with yours. I mean, you start off the season 0-2, a lot of injuries, <laughs> but 208.2. I mean, golly, what an absolute show. And it looks like you're going to – Cruz with a victory. I mean, Raheem Oster, we talked about him giving you 45.2. Debo mm-hmm. having a nice game. I mean, they're just everybody. There's not really – even your kicker had a dang good game. That's 24 right. points. So, it's <laughs> a really good outing. So, you're going to be moving to one and two. Uh, your matchup uh, coming up is actually against me. Uh, so, that will definitely be a challenge uh, for both teams. Wade, let's move on to yours. Uh, you'll have – you have one guy who I, who I told you to sit, but it's looking like you're on your way – I didn't have a choice, Tyler. I didn't have a choice. Okay, uh, that's what I said. Bell cow back went down. (laughs) That's okay. Uh, But nonetheless, you know, you you put in Kirk Cousins. He had a good game. Devontae Adams, 42.2. But whenever you're going up against Tyreek, whenever they put up 70, it just feels like it's an automatic loss. Uh, (laughs) So you will look to bounce back. Uh, I'll pull up here, uh, you know, who you play here in week number four. We'll see if it's a sports scramble matchup. It's not. It's Matty Ice. Coming yeah, off of his uh, bachelor trip, so he might be hungover on that. So, but 
<laughs> looking at my team, uh, they're trying to give me a heart attack over here. I only needed like 14 points combined of Chris Godwin and T. Higgins, and T. Higgins has 1.8, and Chris Godwin only has 4.5. So I'm still trailing, hoping to pull away a victory. Uh, but my stars, CMC, they continue to hey. reduce. So. That's it. Hate, for to the the, hate to be the bearer of bad news, Tyler. There was a 60-yard bomb from Joe Burrow to 45-yard uh, bomb from Joe Burrow to T. Higgins, but T. Higgins just shoves a Keller Witherspoon, so it's an offensive pass interference. Oh, that's uh, great. So, yep, that's what uh, giveth <laughs> and taketh away in fantasy <laughs> yeah. football. So uh, that's going to be it for our fantasy football corner. Let's get to who got that dog in him. That dog get him. Let's get it off with Chris. Who's your dog of the week? My dog of the week is in college football. Uh, the Washington State Cougars played the Oregon State Beavers and Washington State's quarterback, Cam Ward, FCS transfer. Uh, last year was his first year in, in uh, FBS from Incarnate Word in San Antonio, Texas. And he put up monster numbers 25 of 34, 404 yards, four touchdowns. And he was magnificent, throwing on the run. Uh, his top wide receiver was out, Lincoln Victor. So he found two new guys in Josh Kelly and uh, what's the other guy's name? Kyle Williams, a 63-yard pass to Kyle Williams as well. Look for the Washington State to be make some noise in the Pac-12. I know we kind of look at Oregon, USC, Washington, maybe even Utah, but I think Wazoo could have some could have some firepower, and especially doing it against a great defense, top 10 defense like Oregon State's to put up over 500 total, uh, combined yards is pretty impressive. So, Cam Wait, who's your dog? All right. You already mentioned him earlier in your fantasy corner. I'm going with Devontae Adams. He had a really incredible game. I mean, his route running is just flawless. Had 172 yards receiving and two touchdowns against a really good Steelers defense. So, uh, yeah, Devontae Adams got that dog in him. And Neil, you're joining us pretty early here. Welcome to the show. You have a dog of the week? I do, and I'm going to explain more later on during my segment, but I'm going to leave it here with Hendrick Motorsports with what they accomplished this weekend. They got their 300th win as a team. They are, they've already had the most wins of a team previously, but this just is another big milestone, win number 300. And I'm going to go with the LSU uh, signal caller, go with Jane Daniels. Uh, rough start against the Arkansas Razorbacks, but he was able to pull it away. Uh, once again, claiming SEC Offensive Performer of the Week. Uh, so Jane Daniels, he's leading uh, every category in the SEC so far. So he's definitely been dominating. So let's get right now into our college football talk. And, man, this was a heck of a week in college football. We might as well just get into it. I mean, the first game – of the one of the first games of the weekend was Colorado and Oregon. Everybody was talking about Colorado. You know, Oregon was a 21 point favorite. And what happens? Oregon just absolutely beats the doors off of them 42 to 6. Dan Lanning saying that we're they're fighting for clicks and we're fighting for wins. I love that passion. If Dion's going to be that trash talker, put it right back to him. So, Chris, you had another outing there you were in eugene how was the environment for that one i mean those are two insane environments you were able to go to this weekend yeah incredibly lucky i planned this trip uh quite in advance probably in like uh late july or early august so we kind of did this uh, me and my dad did this game as like a oh we can get a two for one 
Oregon's probably going to beat the crap out of Colorado because Colorado was 1-11 last year, and you know it's probably not going to be that great. And then Seattle's also just an incredible NFL stadium and environment to just go see. Um, but it was rocking. I, I can't even put into words into how how much uh, confidence I feel like that Oregon team had. Also, the Oregon fans had. Um, and the the entire kind of persona of the game was – we are better than you, and we are going to show you how we are better than you in every single phase. And even like punting, like the Colorado <laughs> punter was punting 30, 35 yards, and now Oregon punter didn't punt that often. But when he did, 50-yard bomb, 50-yard bomb, pinned inside the 10. So all three phases, an absolute beatdown. Um, I think three Oregon running backs rushed for more yards than the entire team of Colorado. Um they, I believe at the end of the first half, Oregon almost had 400 yards of offense. Colorado had 75. Uh, just the amount of pass rush that the D-line was getting. Uh, Wade probably knows uh, Jordan Birch, ex-Carolina Gamecock, transferred right. over to Oregon. He's at Oregon now. And he was, uh, he was creating some, some havoc. Um, the entire game, though, uh, you guys probably saw on social media as well, the duck dressing up as Dion. That was yeah, his head coming off. But like when he walked out and he had that baseball bat and it was like a, a paper mache clock that said prime. And I think you just had to like think about like prime time. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of beat it with the baseball bat. The crowd went crazy. It was incredible. It was really incredible. The overrated chance were, were, were coming down from the student section. Um, it was it was kind of awesome. It was a great environment to be in. Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree (laughs) with you. If 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 the script was flipped and Dion said, you know, we're going to fight it on the football field, not in Hollywood. I feel like the media would just be eating it up. Mm -hmm. You know, it would be no no backlash, no nothing. Uh, I think that Dan Lanning put his foot on the ground and wanted to show that you know, Oregon wasn't getting talked about at all in this game. This game was not Oregon's game. This game was Colorado's game to show, prove themselves um, and and clearly just outmatched, out-talented, just bigger, stronger, faster, with more willpower. So that's got a big one. Yeah. I and mean, you know it's a house divided, right? On the left side of the screen, we like Dion a little bit. On the right side of the screen, not so much. NASCAR Neil and Chris are not. The biggest Dion guys. Was it good to see him get beat down, NASCAR Neil? To me, to me, it's not. I don't not like Dion. I just don't like the hype the Colorado is getting as a team. That oh yeah, is not, I agree with that. Know, it that, is that, so that program, that program is horrendous. As we saw Saturday, Chris. I'm, uh, I didn't get to watch much of it. I walked by a tailgate and they had a TV. I watched maybe twenty minutes of it when I was passing by, you know. But I was happy to see. I, I was. I actually had a good cell service this weekend. I was checking scores all day, both days, you know. And I saw them like, okay, cool. Yay, they got their ass kicked like, like they should have. <laughs> they were not good. But, like, but so that's one of my hatred of the hype behind Colorado, not necessarily Dion. I think Dion's a great coach and it's, and he's getting the people in, involved and excited, but that program did not deserve the hype at all. So, mm, no, they get more of, hype. Some of the tweets no. and some of the things that are just coming out of it where, uh, like, I saw Josina Anderson is a, is a, ESPN analyst and she tweeted out and said, what's the pregame speech like if Travis Hunter plays? And 
It's the same thing. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah, what, they're like, going to lose by what? Like ten one five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever it is, you know, Travis Hunter makes a play on offense, the play on defense. Boom! It's forty two twenty one now. So, I, I'm I'm really really surprised by. Uh, I I I for the most part, I was shell shocked by the amount of positive reviews they got from the Colorado State game, because Colorado State is a bottom ten FBS team. And Colorado, Deion Sanders has basically picked his team. He's kept 10 people from last year and brought in 60-odd transfers. He's picked his team. He has five stars. You should be able to beat a very lowly Mountain West team at home with all this hype. It shouldn't take you heroics to beat, like, a very bad Colorado State team. Um, so I'm, I think that TCU, again, offense – probably against worse opponents will be great. The bottom tier of the Pac-12, I don't think we'll be able to compete against Colorado. You know, your, your Arizona States, your Stanfords. Uh, but I, I don't think that they're, the meteoric rise that I think the media was giving them was like, there was about, there's bound to be an end. And when there's a good team like Oregon in the way, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, I knew it was going to come this week. I mean, it's one thing to get all these star players on the offense and defense, but you got absolutely mishandled, you know, Oregon's offensive line, Oregon's defensive line, just mismatching. You can't find that in the transfer portal. Uh, so Dion's going to have to figure it out because it only gets challenging. USC and Caleb Williams will be coming to Boulder. So. USC can put up – USC can easily put up 60 points on this team. Yeah. Like there is, the way that, there, the, that defense is playing, I definitely wouldn't doubt it. Uh, so next big matchup we had was in the ACC, Florida State and Clemson. You just knew that whoever was going to win this one was going to get a step up uh, in the ACC and Florida State. They survived. It wasn't easy. Clemson, if you heard the story, it was a kicker. He had a job lined up in New York, and Clemson and Davo called up, hey, come back. We actually want you to kick. And then he misses, what, like a 35-yard field goal? <laughs> what was a game winner? I think it, like, ESPN was just shoving this story down. Like, it was a great story, but I don't <laughs> hear it 30 times when watching this game. Uh, so, Jordan Travis, nonetheless, Keon Coleman, he's an absolute dog. He is just like, I mean, without him, I don't know where this Florida State offense would be. But Clemson now 0-2 in an ACC. Do any of you still have Clemson making it to the ACC title game? I never did. Okay. Ooh, just, there we go. Yeah, let's get some I juice in here. So you guys also know how much I can't stand Dabo, so I will never wow. believe in all right. at all. Like, I, a, I think Wade is rubbing off on you too much. No, no, no. Wade, full, no, slate no. Of, full slate of Dabo. What Dabo did we Dabo. drink in Texas, guys? <laughs> no, Wade. I got y'all all on that anti-Dabo juice. Yeah. No, Wade. But you know, ever, ever since that game in January 2020, I I lost a lot of respect for the dude, the way he acted during that game. So, Well, you, you know, know, when the going gets tough, Dabo just makes an excuse. He blames it on the intern from New York. And had he won the game, he would have praised them and – said that's just the Clemson family. So, yeah, uh, just not Clemson's week. They had the game in the bag. I think that it's uh, time to focus on the basketball powerhouses. You got North Carolina, you got Duke. Florida State, to me, looks like a lock. So I think you're going to see one of those North Carolina teams uh, playing in Charlotte. Don't forget about Miami now. And Miami. That's true. Syracuse is 4-0. Yeah. Oh, Syracuse is 4 First time ever since 2013 SEC that six teams are – Four and zero to start a year going into conference play. Uh, so the ACC has has six 
undefeated teams, which is kind of mind-boggling because we normally think Better of the ACC the, as like... Hey, the ACC has been dominating the SEC. I mean, the early matchups, oh, yeah. they've just mm-hmm. been cruising over everybody. So I think the big deal is Dabo, whether he likes it or not, he's got to start using NIL and the transfer portal because Florida State was able to revamp their defense and their offense, and Clemson ain't going to be that great if Dabo doesn't use any of that. The recruiting trail, just based alone on that, does not work anymore. It's the modernization of football. You have to poke out money. If you want a five-star player, here you go. Here's your check. You want a Lamborghini? Here you go. Play for us. If you want a transfer portal, like you can't, you can't decide live in the 1960s anymore. And you can play Tyler, with character, uh, right? But you yeah. have to go get the guys. My thing though is if Jonathan Bikes, also uh, any South Carolina listeners, Porter Goud graduate, Charleston, South Carolina, grow up, born and raised. If he makes that field goal. We're not having this conversation, though, right? We're talking yeah. about Clemson uh, got that neck crack game and was able to get their their season back at schedule. If they win this game, boom, they're shot up into the top 15. It's crazy how one kick changes your entire season. But that kick would have been a facade, right? I mean, this team's just not there, like Neil said. I think Florida State would honestly tie the game. There's like a minute 30 left. That offense would have definitely at least tied it. I, I agree, but the – the idea of having Dabo like not being able to compete is kind of highlighted by Johnny Wilson, Keon Coleman, two transfer wide receivers that balled out. So think about if Clemson had one and they right. balled out, they would have been able yeah. to match them up. So I think the ACC is pretty wide open for that second that second spot. Yeah, really wide open, especially with Clemson losing to Duke and now to Florida State. That's already two losses, and, you know, the schedule doesn't get any easier for them. You know, with Duke hosting Notre Dame, if they're able to get that big win, I mean, all the hype's going to be around Duke. And North Carolina, sneaky good win against Pittsburgh and Minnesota, not really against Minnesota. If you've seen Minnesota, they blew a 31-10 to 10 lead against Northwestern, and they ended up losing to Northwestern in overtime, so – I think it's going to come probably down between, you know, Miami, Duke, uh, and North Carolina. That that Miami-Florida State game. But Florida State gets yeah, – they're pretty much done with their gauntlet. You know, they got through September. They steamrolled over LSU. Uh, they, you know, survived a test uh, in the other Death Valley to Clemson. Uh, so, I think that that schedule is setting up really, really nicely. Florida State, if they could take care of business, look for them to be in the college football playoff. Another one that had playoff implications was Ohio State and Notre Dame. And this was an absolute snooze fest at the start. This was zero to zero. It took a lot of time, but it was two extremely talented uh, defenses. Uh, but uh, they were able to get a couple of scores. And Ohio State was able to draw first blood. It saw that, you know, the start of it in the second half, it looks like Ohio State was going to cruise away. But Notre Dame was able to get a touchdown with eight minutes left. And then it was just a, a defensive battle then. Uh, McCord and that offense uh, was able to get a couple of plays. You know, Marvin Harrison looked like a scary injury that he was going to be out for the game, but he ended up coming back in, and they were able to sneak it in uh, for your one-yard touchdown. And if you read the the news going into the game, you know, Lou Holtz uh, was on the Pat McAfee show saying that Notre Dame is so much better of a football team than then Ohio State and then Ryan Day after the post game was yelling at this reporter. I feel bad about this reporter. She was doing his job. Ryan Day screaming for the time. It's Ohio versus everybody. Lou Holtz, I want your head right now. So, oh my gosh, there's like so much antics going on. I've never seen a top ten man. team be so doubted. You know, like come yeah, on, I mean, we played very bad Like we played no, one uh, bad Ryan half. Day. I really want to no, know. I'm, one, I'm what was that one oh bad yeah. Half? <laughs> 
what was that one bad half? Because there's definitely been way more bad halves. I mean, this team has struggled against Youngstown State to start. They can't beat Michigan the past two years. And Georgia, you know, they had probably that's probably what the game that he's talking about. But I mean, it's not my fault that your kicker can't make a game winning field goal. So I don't really don't know what to expect from this game. You know, Ohio State and the Big Ten, they still haven't really impressed me, even with this win. You know, Notre Dame, if they can take care of business this weekend against Duke, uh, they do face USC in a couple of weeks at home. Uh, so, you know, is, uh, you know, Notre Dame with this loss, do y'all think that they can still have a path to the college football playoff? Very hard one, but obviously if they were to go 11 and one, I think you'd have to consider them, um, you know, with the close loss against Ohio state. But I think this is a sign of what's to come for Notre Dame. I think they're a good football team, but I do think they're just a touch behind uh, USC some of these other teams on the schedule. Um, I think they'll be able to contend with Duke, um, but I do see uh, Southern – I see Southern Cal beating uh, Notre Dame here in a few weeks. Also, sneaky game in between Duke and uh, Notre, and USC at Louisville, undefeated mm. Louisville. So keep an eye on that. I got, a, I got, a, I got a sneaky a little, a little a hot take, if you might say. Go for um, it. First, first time I'm kind of – kind of piecing it together into a a cohesive conversation. So I kind of agree with Ryan Day. I think the media, not the Lou Holtz stuff is is childish. Like he's, uh, Ryan Day asked, where's Lou Holtz? It's four hours past Lou Holtz's bedtime. So (laughs) all Lou Holtz does is eat, breathe, sleep, Notre Dame football. So nine can't really yeah so that's okay it's a Notre Dame she's a Notre Dame super fan you know he's 89 years old that's all he cares about is Notre Dame what they do but part part of me wants kind of sees where he's coming from so I'll put this for you Kyle McCord brand new guy not having many reps last year against a Heisman finalist great currently doing a great uh in the NFL QB and CJ Stroud Kyle McCord's unknown there's is brand brand new guy um and Youngstown State struggled, yes, uh, and then kind of got that game right against Western Kentucky in week three. But if Ohio State was tied 10-10 with Wyoming entering the fourth quarter, which Texas was, by the way, we yep. wouldn't be hearing it forever. If Kyle McCord threw three picks in the first half against Bowling Green, which J.J. McCarthy of Michigan did, by the way, we would be hearing it forever. I kind of get where he's coming from. I mean, Ohio State has been a perennial playoff team for the past five years. Yes, they can't get over the big hump. They lose to teams that are better matched and better coached. Ryan Day has lost two regular season games against the same team, I know, in his past three years or something. It's kind of impressive. It is, and it kind of has been uh, Ohio against the world. Besides uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Buka, uh, Travion Henderson, who else is like, really on this team we don't really know any of these defensive stars Kyle McCord was an unknown they lost a couple of O-linemen I'm very impressed with them being able to go into Notre Dame and beat them the way they did uh, Notre Dame's defense was always going to be really good um, and Sam Hartman I thought was the much better quarterback than Kyle McCord and if you kind of look at how they both performed throughout the game Kyle McCord came up clutch that pass to get them to first and goal at the one was unbelievable it's such a tight window uh, I think Kyle McCord's pretty good. I'm not exactly sure yet, but in the sense of this entire game, 
I think I think Ryan Day has a point, and I think Ryan I think Ohio State has the better win over a much better team, and I think they, in all honesty, should be ranked over Michigan. I'm a I'm a big Michigan hater, especially starting out the season, <laughs> but uh, I, I kind I can kind of see where he's coming from. Besides the Lou Holtz thing, that that's just a crapshoot. I don't understand. Sure. That's something I do want to add. Hey, you mentioned I mentioned uh, uh, CJ Stroud, like this is the first really unproven quarterback that Ryan Day's had since he's been at Ohio State because he had Justin Fields then, then, and then and then now Stroud. Like, you know, like he's had guys that were Heisman finalists before, and this is the first time he's really had somebody young to do. And it's like – He's 19 years old. Like, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I was it's pretty impressive. Ago, I, was like, I was like, all right, is Ohio State really – this is the first time they haven't had a quarterback. I was like, looking at like, oh, are they really only good because they have these top quarterbacks? But now I'm kind of leaning towards how you're saying now – you know, with this guy's just young and he needs, he needs the time to get better. Like, you know, give him another year and he'll be just as good as the rest of them. He'll be there. But I'm also an Ohio State hater, though, too. So it's like, I'm all, I'm, I'm all in the. So we have a Michigan and Ohio State hater. All right. Well, well, the bias is fly, it, was, it was good to know you, Buckeye and uh, Wolverine fans. Uh, so hey, you know, I just, you for I just watching this fans. show. I am a Michigan doubter for the first four weeks of the season. I'm going to rephrase. You okay. played UNLV, ECU, Bowling Green, they haven't the covered in any of them, so yeah. them in Georgia, you know, start playing somebody. But uh, yeah. other games of note this week: Penn State uh, looking like a team. Uh, I picked Penn State uh, to make it to the college football playoff uh, and win the Big Ten. We'll see if that comes to fruition. Who knows? Will win the Big Ten West because that is looking like an absolute monster fire. My pick is still Wisconsin, but who knows? Uh, Penn State blanks Iowa thirty-one to nothing in the Iowa game in the whiteout game. Another note, LSU survives uh, against Arkansas 34 to 31. If you want more in-depth, we uh, recorded SEC talk yesterday. Bye, you bingo by itself. We'll go out. Uh, Wade, do you have any more thoughts uh, on the LSU performance against Arkansas since you were at the game? I'm going to save it for uh, Bayou Bingo Bites. I'm excited to make my debut. Chet must be working real hard this week, man. I'm getting yeah. a in for him on that. Working books. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, LSU, uh, not – Quite the intensity I wanted to see them come out with. I think this team's just up and down. I think LSU. Yeah, I mean, I just think they're they are what they are. I think that LSU is a top fifteen team. I think they can hang with just about anybody. I think they can lose to not just about anybody, but I think they can lose to you know the teams you'd expect to beat them, and you know maybe they'll pull off an upset against uh, Alabama or Ole Miss and and get a chance to play in Atlanta, but. I think this team's not quite in that championship contender mentality for me yet. They just don't look dialed in. But uh, some good good young pieces on defense, on the pass rush that's coming along each week. And I think the running game is uh, starting to piece together. So who knows? This team could make a run. Yeah, what did you see this past Saturday uh, for LSU uh, against the Hawks? I watched the first half half from a Chick Fil A waiting on waiting on waiting on my Uber Uber at home. Well, but from what I did much. see, no, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I did you not watch much incompletions, man. <laughs> and then I got home and proceeded to almost pass out twice. So, but okay. what I did see, <laughs> it was a typical LSU Arkansas game. I was there last year on the road. Yep, you were. I was like, and I was like, these games drive me crazy. They drove me crazy when when we were there because they were still close then, except nineteen. That's the that was the one exception, you know. So like that was the game. I'm always like, okay, we could win this, we could lose this, and I almost don't want to watch it because I don't, because it's just too scary, to, too much heart, too much of a heartbreak watching it. So I'm like, eh, next year I'm probably gonna make it make a pass on watching it. 
It is always very close. <laughs> that 17 and a half spread was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Arkansas can be an 0 and 12, and this game still comes down to a field goal. So never bet that exactly. big of a spread again on this game, especially in a rivalry game for a trophy. Uh, another game of note, Alabama pulling away against Ole Miss. I think a lot of people bought too much into this Ole Miss hype against Alabama. You just knew that Alabama wasn't going to drop and lay down dead. I know that they didn't look too great against South Florida, but Jalen Miller gave that offense a spark. So uh, that's going to be it for our week uh, four talk. Let's get now into of our picks. First, we'll get into our top five games to pick. We'll get into our upset picks, and then we'll uh, end out the show with building that bankroll, and then we'll get the latest news in the NASCAR landscape. So a lot of good matchups. Once again, we have a lot of rank versus rank. First, on Friday night, we have a Pac-12 slate. I mean, the Pac-12, this is their last year, and they're giving us the best games of the year. So – Number 10, Utah. We'll see if Cam Rising plays or not. That's been the story uh, of every week for this team, but they just keep on winning. And they're uh, traveling to number 19, Oregon State. Oregon State coming off of a 38-35 loss against Wazoo. So, wait, let's start off with you. You got the Utes or the Beavers? I got Utah winning this game. Just a veteran bunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oregon State did not impress me last week. Uh, the defense looks suspect. Chris, who are you going with? I'm going to go with the Beavers. Uh, I will say going with the Beavers if Cam Rising does not play, which I don't think he's supposed to. We'll find out later this week. Uh, I think it's going to be a little bit like that Utah-Yellow game, kind of that slugfest where a defensive touchdown might might win it. Um, uh, you know, a 20-17, to 21-14 type game. Oregon State's defense is good. I, I do think they are very good. I think Wazoo's offense is just astronomically – you know, top 10 in the country, but Utah's offense is a little lacking. So I'm going to go Oregon state in a close, low scoring game. Neil. I'm going to go Utah. Like I, I don't really don't know much about you. Oregon state really to judge. I think Utah has been saving their quarterback for a big game. I figured he was going to play last week, but he did. And I was like, ah, so I feel like he's going to, if he's going to play this year, it's going to be this week at this point, but. Yeah. Well, we got a tie. I'm going with the Beavers, baby. I think that Utah slips up here. I just don't I don't, don't know when Cam Rising is going to come back. But even if he does play, I think that this is going to be a defensive battle again. And Utah is a different team to play on the road. I think that in Corvallis, if this was in Utah, I would be picking Utah. But I think that coming off of loss, they're going to be pissed off. Oregon State is one to get. And then look out for Dave Martinez, that running back. I think is going to have a big game against that Utah defense. So I don't think that Jonathan Smith's squad is going to lose back-to-back games. They're one of my dark horse teams going into this season. I think even with the loss to Wazoo, they're now out of the Pac-12 race. So we're split on that game. Uh, we'll see if we're split on the next SEC showdown, number 13 LSU. Go on the road to Oxford to play Ole Miss in the Magnolia Bowl. Chris, we'll start off with you. Uh, I feel like that if I go with the Rebs, I might get some – Get some get some hatred from my my few no, my other co-hosts, know. but no, I, I see talk and you'll see. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I think that I think that uh, Jalen Daniels comes to play. Um, I I think again I think I do agree with you in that past uh, segment with Alabama. I think we're buying a little bit too much in this Ole Miss hype. Um, best win is at Tulane with the backup quarterback and backup wide receiver, banged up defense. I'm not so sure how good how good Ole Miss is as a whole. I think Jackson Dart's very good. I think Jackson Dart is a very competent, capable quarterback with some good weapons. But I think LSU just that offense is just going to be able to get be able to get the better of them. I think Gabe Neighbors might have a big game again, and uh, you know I'll go with the Tigers. Neil, you rolling with the Tigers? Always against especially against Ole Miss. But, and the thing is, though, we are a three point favorite on the road. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's 
I think that kind of says something that yes, Ole Miss has got a lot of hype and they've been and they probably have a probably have better wins than we do so far this year with being ranked two lane, but I think we're gonna go to Oxford and, and take care of business and bring that huge ass trivia back with us. Wait, I know you picked Ole Miss on last night's show, but are you picking them on tonight's? I gotta hide the shirt for this pick. You know what? I'm gonna beat the jinx, and uh, I'm gonna stick with Ole Miss. I wait. I could be picking Ole Miss. I know, but you didn't on the <laughs> other show. So, look, this is a game I circled a while ago, and yeah, I think Ole Miss did get exposed on Saturday. The offense didn't look nearly as explosive, but this is a tough game for LSU, and and like we talked about, kind of the up and down nature. I don't think you can get off to a slow start in this game because I think Ole Miss will get off to a fast one. Um, I think the inexperience will hurt the Tigers in this one. I could see a late error, not by Jaden Daniels, but maybe a, you know, like a defensive uh, penalty, like a rough in the passer or something like that. So I think this is going to be a heartbreaker um, for LSU, but don't worry, Tiger fans. I got some wins in store. I think that if they lose this one, they go on an absolute tear and beat Alabama later in the year. Uh, But got to stick with my guns and go Ole Miss. Well, yeah, last time LSU took the trip to Oxford, that game was over by the half. It was not pretty. Uh, so I am going to go with LSU, but I think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this one. Two suspect secondaries with, with the quarterbacks. I think that Jackson Dart coming off of that embarrassing performance against Alabama, he's going to want to right the ship. Uh, so I think it's like a 38 to 35 type of game. It might be even the race to 40. Whoever gets first to 40 wins this game. Uh, but I think uh, I am going to go with LSU. I think it's not going to be a pretty game. But a win's going to be a win uh, for LSU. The next one is another top 25 matchup in the Big 12. Number 24, Kansas, baby. Jalen Daniels and that Kansas Jay- Jayhawk offense coming off an impressive performance against BYU. They had to travel to Austin to face off against number three, Texas. Wade, do you have the Jayhawks pulling off a massive upset here? Hey, they've done it in the past, but I, I actually am buying into this Texas team at this point. Not as a championship contender, but I do think they're the cream of the crop in the Big 12 so far. So I'm going to stick with Texas in this one. I think this one will be a little bit lower scoring than people are thinking, and I think it will be close. But give me the Longhorns by about seven. Neil, who are you rocking with? I'm going to go with Kansas. I think that game's always wild. It's always funny to watch Kansas beat Texas and rip their and rip Texas fans' souls from them when they think they're good. So I think that trend's <laughs> going to continue – in the last year they played each other, as I know Texas fans are so thrilled to never have to play them again unless they choose so on their own willingness, which I doubt they ever will. So they're happy. Chris, are you going to agree with Neil or are you going to agree with Wade? I'm going with Wade. Uh, Baylor alum, as a Baylor alum, watched that Texas game, and it was so depressing. Uh, yeah. I don't know if Baylor's just really, really bad, which they might be. Uh, like capital B bad or Texas is capital G good. I think both are kind of true. Um, I think Kansas will give them a fight. They're always feisty. They got that weird triple optiony pistol shotgun, two quarterbacks throwing two back to them, quarterback draw, whatever you want to call it. And I think that they'll be kind of cool, kind of close. But I think Sark Sark's got this team in the right direction. And, uh, next, they better not look ahead though until Red River, which is the week after. Good, good spot to to look ahead. It could be a little trap game, but I, I agree with Wade. Maybe a little closer and low scoring, but uh, Texas gets it done. Man, my heart wants to go Kansas, but I'll be a smart man. I'll I'll pick Texas. Uh, I just think you know in the the defenses here. I think that this could also be a high scoring shootout. I feel like 
Last time we saw this one, this was a double overtime game, like 52 to 51, and Kansas pulled off the two-point conversion to win that game. I don't know if it's going to get to that margin, uh, but Texas, you know, they have been vulnerable. They look really good against Baylor, but past couple of weeks, you know, they beat Bama. We don't know how elite Bama is. Are they good or are they elite? Who knows? Us, but then they struggle, like you mentioned. They were 10 to 10 going into the fourth quarter against a very solid Wyoming team. I think Wyoming is a team to watch out for uh, in the Mountain West. But nonetheless, I will go with Texas. Another one, we go to uh, Independent versus ACC, but this should just be an ACC conference matchup. Notre Dame, please just join the conference. Number 11, Notre Dame mm-hmm. at number 17, Duke. I'll go ahead and start this one off. I think Duke gets it done. I think that this is a team that I've been high on going into the ACC. Mike Elko and that defense is going to play. I think this is going to be another defensive battle. Sam Harmon, I think, is going to have some troubles. But I respect Riley Leonard and his arm. I think that Duke gets another big victory. Uh, So, Wade, you're going to go with the Fighting Irish or go with the Blue Devils? You know, you just swayed my opinion. I thought this game was in South Bend this whole time. It is in Duke. And I watched Duke take care of Clemson at home. I know that Clemson's not as good as Notre Dame. But yeah, I'm gonna take Duke in this one. Chris, I'll I'll stick to I'll stick to knowing what I know, and I know that Sam Hartman is a very good quarterback. So I'll I'll go with the quarterback matchup. Sam Hartman just a little bit better than Riley Leonard. I think Duke has a little experience here and there. The Clemson game, you could make a case, was kind of fluky. You know, a couple of goal line goal line fumbles and 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 missed field goals. But I think Notre Dame gets it done. Very low scoring, um, but. That rushing attack, Audrey Estime, is just really good. Um, and, and I don't think Duke will have the firepower against that Notre Dame defense. Neil? I'm going with Duke. With you. Uh, I think Jordan Waters is is the real deal on Duke's running back. He's done himself so far this year of dominating this year. So I'm, so I'm kind of leaning towards Duke on this game. I'm just glad that one of us picked Notre Dame because I did not want all four of us picking Duke, <laughs> and that would just look really bad. Uh, but the next one we'll go to is just – I just put it on here because I think that the whole nation is still going to be talking about Colorado. But we have number five, USC, traveling to Boulder, big noon kickoff. Once again, this is like their third out of four times. They took a, a week off to go to Oklahoma, Cincinnati. Whoopie freaking do. That was a 20 to 6 game. What a game that was to go to. Uh, but uh, Chris, who you got between USC and Colorado? Uh, USC, Caleb Williams is going to have a field day, to put it nicely. I think that, that, um, that offense is electric, uh, though they were kind of shaky against Arizona State late at night. A couple of couple of bumps here and there, but I, I feel that USC is just going to absolutely boat race. Also, a 10 a.m. local kickoff. Never heard of that before. Hey, it's going to uh, be very commonplace once these conferences expand. Yep. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. At least, at least with I mean, LSU with, had a 10:31 a couple years ago, I think. Wade. Um, yeah, I, against Florida in the makeup game. Uh, yeah, that was my like. Like second year, first year on Saturday, I, I, remember, I just remember having to show up at like show up for work at six a.m. or something like that. I'm like, it was miserable. I want to say I even slept in the stadium that night because it was such an early, early, early arrival. Is any of you yeah. picking Colorado? We can just move on with this. Nah, stat powder <laughs> for Williams. <laughs> yeah, probably yeah. going to be the Heisman one. Uh, but we'll continue our college football talk. Let's get into the teams who need to be on upset alert. All right, upset alert picks. Uh, wait, let's start review. All right, well, hey, I'm not going to keep hating on LSU on this show, so I'll give you a second upset pick. I'm going to take that Duke game we just talked about. I think Duke knocks off um, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. This would have had more appeal had Notre Dame taken down Ohio State, but still an upset. 
I'm going to take Notre Dame over. I mean, I'm going to take Duke over Notre Dame. I'll go for the home state South Carolina Gamecocks at Tennessee. Um, oh, okay. you took mine for me, Chris. Oh, my bad. My bad. Uh, no, no, you're fine. That was. I think Spencer Rattler is capital G good, and Xavier Leggett is capital G great. And Tennessee has been. I, I don't know. I haven't seen enough from them to be like, man, Joel Milton's the real deal. They beat a UTSA, the banged up UTSA team. Austin P lost a game to a pretty flat Florida team, in my opinion. So I think I think South Carolina gets it done under the lights. Uh, you know what happened last year? I don't think it'll be that crazy, but I do think South Carolina in a close one. Uh, but over Tennessee and Neyland. Well, Neil, you're going to take and you have a backup. I do have a backup, and I don't know. Technically, Kentucky's favorite over Florida. It counts. Florida is the rank. Mm-hmm. But, but, I mean, but Florida is the ranked team. I think Kentucky gets it done. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. We talked about I mean, that on SEC really, Talk. Yeah. I think it's, Kentucky's it's really pretty upset, good. But Are we all in consensus on that one? Yeah, I think Kentucky yeah. takes it out right. Even Chet picked him. So, yeah, we're all rocking with Kentucky. Uh, my upset, uh, Wade took mine, but I always come with a backup. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Beavers uh, over Utah. Oregon State is a three-point favorite, but Utah is a top-ten team. I think uh, this causes yet another shakeup in the Pac-12. All right. Let's get into building that bankroll and let our viewers try and get some more extra coin in that wallet. It's time for building that bankroll. Build that bankroll. Wade, let's start off with the NFL picks. We went two out of three on both college football and NFL. Let's see if we can continue that hot streak. So, Wade, who you have as your best bet for NFL? Well, when you when you get four talking heads on here, we, we tend to steal each other's picks. Uh, NFL games are very tight, uh, so it's bound to happen again. But I'm going to take the over in that Miami and Buffalo game. I just think that even at 53 points, I think it's definitely uh, feasible. You know, I, both teams should get into the 30s, and I think easily clear it. Chris, who you got? So I'm going to go for a spread. The spread for the Sunday night game is Chiefs at Jets uh, in the Netherlands, and the Chiefs are favored by nine and a half. I think it's clearly a two-possession game by by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you know, Taylor's probably going to be there. So that means Travis is going to get <laughs> Oh, up. shoot, in the New York penthouse. It's going to take it to a next level. In the next level. And I just don't see, like we talked about with that Garrett Wilson uh, sit pick, I don't see where the Jets score any points. Jets' defense is really good. Secondary is good. Front seven is good. But you got to score points, and the defense doesn't score points. So I think Pat Mahomes wins by 14-plus. Yeah, I'm going to go with another spread one pick here. I think that the Browns can cover uh, the two-and-a-half. I think that this is going to be a defensive battle. It's probably going to be a field goal game. Uh, The Browns will probably either win this one by three or four points. Uh, I'm going to trust that defense uh, to shut down Lamar Jackson. So take the Browns minus two-and-a-half. Neil, what is your pick for building that bankroll for the NFL? I honestly wasn't expecting to do this, and I don't bet on normal sports, so I'm not the person to ask. And I'm not really not the person to ask. Anyways. Disclaimer: no, be- So don't bet with NASCAR, Neil. So keep that in <laughs> no, mind. No, I lost a bunch of money this weekend, so I'm not really happy with myself right now. Don't bet. Don't bet okay. with NASCAR, Neil. All right, yeah, so- every time. Well, we will glad we will kindly skip over you, and we will go right <laughs> into uh, the college football best bets, uh, Chris. So why don't you start us off? So imagine this scene, prime time, NBC, 7.30. We got Michigan State at Iowa. 
Oh, geez. Now, <laughs> the line is Iowa by 11 and a half. So that means that Iowa has to score at least 12 points. And I'm not sure if that happens. So I'm going to go for whatever combo you want to take, either the under, which is 36 and a half, which means both teams have to score 18. And we saw Iowa's performance against Penn State was was rotten. So you can either take the uh, take Michigan State to cover because 12 points is quite a bit. And even though Michigan State's pretty bad, I don't think Iowa's offense is that much better. Or take the under of under 36 and a half because no way both teams score 18 points. Wait, what's your best bet for college football this weekend? All right. NASCAR Neil highlighted this one for us. I'm going to take Kentucky to cover three and a half at home. That's a little bit risky. Uh, considering it's a bit of an upset pick and it's that pesky three and a half. Uh, but I think the Wildcats win this one by a touchdown. It's an 11 a.m. kickoff, uh, I guess 12 local time. Um, but Kentucky's quietly 4-0, and they got eased into SEC play last week against Vanderbilt. And uh, Florida, that's just another team that's up and down to me. Uh, the offense is just not that great. And I think if Kentucky can seize the momentum, they could really run away with this one. Yeah, I'm going to go for money line. Uh, this team is favored by three, so I definitely would feel comfortable, but I am just going to go with this team to win outright. That's the Janes, Madison, Dukes. They are definitely the talk of the town in the Sun Belt. Going up against the South Alabama team, coming off of a rough loss at home against Central Michigan. South Alabama was a 14-and-a-half uh, favorite in that one. They looked good at the start, and then Central Michigan just chipped away. No pun intended, uh, that loss. Uh, so, I think that South Alabama is just a tough team to gauge. I thought that they're going to be one of the best in the Sun Belt, but I think that the way that James Madison has been rolling, especially at home, take the Dukes uh, to win outright. So that is our best bets building that bankroll. I'm sure Chet will put up a graphic uh, leading up to these games, and hopefully we can continue on for hot streak. All right, that's enough sports talk. Neil, take it away with uh, what's been going on in the NASCAR landscape. Hey, guys, I just spent the – very hot and miserable weekend at Texas Motor Speedway. And by hot, it was Saturday, I think it hit 95. Sunday, it hit 101. And we're sitting in metal bleachers in the middle of the sun, surrounded by concrete. So you're crazy, Neil. It was Neil. a very hot day. It was a very hot day. But <laughs> you stay hydrated, though. Oh, I'm sure you drank tons lots of, of water. Lots of beer. <laughs> lots of beer. The beauty of this track liquid, is you liquid, bring your own liquid. cooler in. Yeah. The beauty of the track is you can bring your own cooler in. I brought a lot of beer. I did bring water, which weighed in, weighed in them. The Nomi will be surprised. I actually brought water and drank water and not Dodge Pepper, which is a big mistake. That's good. For me. That's a good change you know, there, Neil. That you guys know me, but still lots of beer. I had a, it was one of those things. Saturday, you know, usually you only get me for the Sunday coverage, but I was there both days. Saturday was a spinning race. It was fun. I'm pulling my notes up again. It was, it was a pretty good weekend, you know. Um, there was a wreck on lap two. Which because these, this is like the AAA equivalent to baseball. It's the level right below Cup, but there's a lot of people who are not very good. Regular lap two, then we had another scary wreck that was reminiscent of the last race I was at, where a car coming off of the tri oval went and hit the pit wall, and hit the very first pit box, and this was around the time of pit cycles happening. Oh wow! And and I was actually listening to the leaders' radio when we hit their pit box. And he somehow saw it from across the track and asked if these guys were okay because he saw them working in that area when he was going around. And they, and they go, no, they're fine. You know, uh, there was a – at the stage at the stage two, three break, um, 
we had another bad wreck. The driver lost a wheel, you know, in, in three and four and three and four, which is tight. And it's something that was a trend for Sunday, too, surprisingly enough. But then another driver, surprisingly enough, had his AC break during the middle of the race. Really? Which, yeah. And he had to get out of the car and put a sub driver in because he was so heat exhaustion. Because you think about it, you know, if it's 95 in the stand, you're in a car with not really air flowing through it, it's double the heat. And they do have these fancy cooling suits that pump cold water through them to cool them off. But it was still bad. Um, another wild kind of experience that I thought was kind of cool, as Wade and Tyler know, I, I bought a radio to listen in to the in-car communications this week for going forward. And a wreck happened in three and four that involved a driver I was listening to where car below him in the low line got loose and the arrow got him loose and he crashed in the wall. And the entire time he was just as calm as a cucumber. And I'm like, you just got in a wreck and slammed a wall at hundred at miles per hour. And you're not really Start the game, thing. baby. <laughs> and it's in, and I was listening to a spotter. Okay, spotter okay. You know, we were just saying, Hey, you're the wall, stay high, you know, don't kind of go low kind of thing. I was like, this is just insane that you just slammed the wall like that. Your rear end did it. And he took some damage, you know, it was kind of crazy. But how cool um, for you to just be, you know, you know, able to be in the moment like that. Oh, yeah. Not something that yeah. a lot of other sports give you the opportunity to do yeah. live. You know, we see recordings, oh. but not yeah, yeah. in the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's one of those things that and it happened in three and four, which I was sitting on the, on the uh, three and four side of the front stretch. And I, I looked up and I was, because it was, it was, towards the front of the front of the pack kind of and I looked up and I saw the 19 get loose and I'm like oh he got I just saw him start getting sideways as a guy I, I watched enough racing I know when a car is getting loose in a turn I'm like in this back and start sliding around more I'm like and then next thing I know the eight eight got eight got wrecked I'm like how did he do it and then I was like and then I flipped over to the radio broadcast and they were talking about how the air got him off of him I'm like oh okay that makes more sense that explains why he got wrecked and I was like I was pissed off in the moment I'm like why did my guy get wrecked here I'm like doing you know uh, a lot of cautions on the back end as well. After a lot on the front end, this set a record for the most cautions in the in the series in like years. So that kind of shows how the day went. Sloppy but, day on the track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a series. They're they're known for wrecking, and it's it gets it turns into a shit show at times. But it was a it was at the end of the on a late race restart. John Hunter Nemechek ends up getting the win from third place after uh, after Parker Klingerman, who was in third made a move on just not got the leader who was up front all day, had a good car, kind of fell back, but, but, but Klingerman made a move on him and John Hunter came in from third and just took advantage of the move where the air got loose and took the lead and managed to win. You know, it was, it was, it was kind of a cool thing to happen. It kind of happened in, in two going into the backstretch, but Texas has a giant video board. I think they claim it's the largest in the, in the U S for an outdoor stadium. It's a giant TV. It's pretty cool. I think it's we nice need to because... see like Texas a- and Texas A&M play at the Texas Motor Speedway, like the first yeah. SEC game back. Yeah, you know, I, I think mean, they, they could did fill it. it in. Talk about marketing I mean, genius, right there. I mean, yeah, I think they could fill it Tennessee in. played Virginia Tech at Bristol a couple years ago, mm-hmm. which is cool. But that, imagine that the cool two thing. big Texas brands. Yeah, know? I mean that. Would I mean, just it, it, it'd just be hard to do. Like, the front stretch isn't quite big enough to do it. Kind of, it'd be tricky to do. But it, I do think it'd be kind of cool. Um, Sunday's race was nice. I. Got there. I actually drove Sunday because I was like, I don't want to look around my cooler all day. So you weren't going to have 10 beers. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was like, I was like, I'm going to drink less and I'm going to 
not carry the scooter around all day because it weighed 28 pounds when I weighed it before I left the house, which that's kind of heavy carrying around the heat all day. But uh, but it was it was a good time. I walked the fan zone. I was kind of impressed. This is my third time at the track, and the fan zone was probably the biggest I've seen in those three races, which is nice to see that more brands and sponsors are getting involved in activating on track side, which, as, as you guys probably don't know if you've ever been in a race, like outside the track, the sponsors of the events on the cars, they – Set up boost all 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 upside all around the track. You can then the teams have merch merch that you can go buy. And I, I bought a bought a new koozie this weekend that I was looking for at Nashville a couple weeks ago. You know, but yeah, it was it was kind of cool to see that many brands and some brands I hadn't actually seen before at the track. Another one I was I was not expecting to see, which is Winston Tobacco, which was the was the title sponsor for a long time until they became legally illegal to do so. I was like, huh. I did not expect to see them here today, but I'm here for it because it's the old school of the sport. But it was cool. Uh, it was a cool time. Yeah, I mean, sports scramble just on a stadium tour, you know. Wade's yeah, you know, we need to get in on the action home game. Chris is going out there in Pacific Northwest, going to the 12th yeah. man. Eugene and Neil going to the NASCAR races. But we appreciate yeah. Chris for joining us. We'll definitely oh, have you uh, back on. You're always welcome yeah. to come on anytime, Neil. You already know, you know, you're pretty oh, no. much just have a reservation I more to go. I, on this I, show. I, more to do. I mean, I got some, I haven't got the cup race yet. Probably. I'll try to, I'll take a drink there. I was getting kind of winded there, but. Oh, you had cut out was, a little bit on us. Yeah, <laughs> oh, keep I'm going. Sorry. Yeah, keep no, going. I'm sorry. No, I, I, sorry. I had to take a sip there. I was, but uh, the Sunday race was nice. It kind of started off with something, a topic I was going to mention last week, but I decided to wait till this week because it kind of happened. It was easier for me to dress personally instead of having Chet try to read it and maybe mess some of this up. It's kind yeah. of a. It, it just more is no NASCAR but, uh, expert. <laughs> no, no, but it's it's kind of a more on the sadder sadder kind of side. Some news that broke last Sunday of the passing of Sherry Pollux. Uh, she uh, she was a big time voice in the garage. She, she had cancer three. She had cancer four different times and got through. And she passed away last Sunday. And the teams this week they they started the race with a moment of silence for her. every car had a had a had a ribbon sticker on the side of their car. It was kind of a sad thing. She did a lot of charity work. She was uh, partners with, with, with Martin Truex Jr., my favorite driver, a long time. And part of what got me to be a fan of his was a ESPN piece on the two of them during COVID. I was like, kind of like, okay, that's a cool kind of story. And so they started, that was a nice story. The moment of silence, they kind of honored her in a very respectful way. And it was beautiful to see them take us out of the steers and stuff. But um, as a whole, you know, it's the Sunday race started pretty clean. Um, you know, Bo Wallace was the pole sitter and led the entire first stage. You know, we had the, some, some some green flag stops, which was cool to see. Me sitting, I was sitting at the entrance of pit road where I could see a couple stops. And Brad K, my other favorite driver, stall was right in front of me. I was able to watch his stops and see. And I was on his channel most of the day just because it was because again his spotter is the same as the day before, and he's really smart and really good at talking. Yes, he talks a lot more than the other ones, so it's constant listening to something instead of hearing something every 20 minutes, but, you know, it was pretty good. Uh, we had a caution on lap 41 where Austin Dillon lost two wheels on the in, in a turn three coming off his last stop. They didn't get the back wheels tight, and they came off when he got in the turn, which was wild to see. I was like, okay, that's interesting. He was he was kind of not in a the pack there, and just, you know, you see him sliding around the back. I was like, oh, okay, that I couldn't really see. And then, and then it was – and then the rest of the stage was kind of pretty good. Uh, however, on the restart of that stage, the 10 of the 48 reckon, reckon turn two. They were pushing. They went three wide and turned two at Texas. 
it's funky. It's kind of lower banking than three and four. And, and like the bottom is really the only place you can run competitively. And they try to win and they keep trying to go three wide. And I'm like, you're right. going to happen. It, 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 I knew watching the day before and knowing this track, it was going to be a bad day. And they got into a big wreck and it was kind of brutal, you know, and then luckily the rest of the stage kind of stay clean until seven to go. Kyle Bush blows a tire on the backstretch and does something kind of funny. He drove it in reverse all the way back to the pits around really? three and four. It was just kind of funny. Like I look up, I'm like, that's kind of like that's kind of goofy. He was done for the day. He tore up enough stuff on you the bottom. You think he was car. just doing it to pull off some steam after you know a lot of frustration? You know, yeah, and he's, losing it there at the yeah, very end. Yeah, and he's been on a tough streak. He's in the playoffs right now, but he's still had some awful luck. So it was kind of like that, you know. And then, but it was nice though because it hadn't let enough. It created a one lap shootout for the stage, and we had, we had some drivers decide to opt for the, uh, you know, for the for the for the kind of short pit as they say pit before the off cycle whereas guys who need the points went out for points and it was kind of a cool kind of thing but then after the uh green white checker uh came out for the for the end of stage two going into one true x gets a bad bump and rex under caution technically in, in turn one out and kind of ruined his day he was running mid-pack and had some speed but it damaged some underside of his cars kind of had a bad day you know it was you know staying in this but then stage two as the rest is then stage three was calm mostly it was nothing really really wild um the 99 had a bad spin off of four they landed in the grass and they and and i i personally believe that he sat there waiting on a caution to help his teammate out because he sat there in the moment the caution came out he drove away instead of being, yeah, so they, they threw me stuff there. i'm like i'm like ah that's that's they should really have done something about that because literally the moment the moment the yellow came out he fired up i'm like i'm like okay sure you couldn't get it mo and you were waiting for that cost to come out because because obviously he couldn't sit there under green it's a very dangerous situation you know um it was i mean to me i think it's a really boring race as a whole it's one of those things if i wasn't there i probably would have flipped it i would probably would have flipped around some nfl games just because it's was not very good. Um, hey, those weren't much better. <laughs> no, I, I'd heard the same thing. You know, there was some, um, there was a thing on another late caution. Larson, who was the leader, and he dominated most of stage, most of stage three uh, on a late caution. He did a fake out, act like he was going to pit to pit, and ended up getting the guys behind him to actually go into pits, where which which I thought was an interesting kind of move to see. Fold on, fold unfold in front of me. I was like, oh, huh. That's kind of you, some tracks you can't always do it because where the commitment line is. But he went in and pulled at the last second, and the guys behind him were already committed and didn't realize what was going on. I do believe some of those guys probably would have stayed out, you know. And then the very end of the race, I don't remember the lap number, but a big wreck happened coming off a of four right in front of me, and I and the guy behind me got it on video, but he sent the video to me, and it was so bad in quality. I, I was like, Neil, I it looked like realize. gas station footage, man. It was just hard. <laughs> Dude, to, it looked hard dude, to piece so together like, the event. I was kind of mad because, like, because it was like I went by myself, but I'm the kind of person I'll, I'll meet people around me and have a good time. And there were some nice people all around me, and I was talking to them. I offered them a beer that I give a beer on Saturday, they give a beer on Sunday, kind of thing. It's it's a good old people kind of thing, you know. But it was good. Um, but late, but at the, at the end of the race on a another short short run, um, Larson Larson ends up getting in a wreck with Bubba Wallace in, in one and two. Uh, Bubba was on the bottom line, Larson the high line, and 
Larson kind of gave him not enough room, and Larson ended up spinning out and wrecking, ending his day. They couldn't quite get it fixed. After being fast for most of stage two and three, you know, and I was like, yeah, after he had a good shot to win, you know, based on that alone. Then in the race, uh, William Byron manages to get in the lead, pass Bill Walsh to the last run, and brings it home for Hendrick Motorsports. Gets them their 300th win, as I mentioned, during the during – the, uh, the Dog of the week. Period. Dog of the week, yep. yeah. It's, that team, it's, it's kind of funny. I saw a stat today that, like, of their 300 wins – uh, like, a, like almost like, like 20% of them came from two people. J- uh, Jeff Gordon ran for them for all his five championships, and then and then Jimmy Johnson ran for them as well. So, a good portion of the wins came from those two people, but still, it's a big deal. Yeah, I, I, I got some watching, young bucks coming up now, you know, to I mean, replace got, those legends. I mean, I mean, they got they got Chase Elliott, who's the perennial uh favorite, you got uh, Kyle Larson, who's probably one of the best drivers I want to say the world just because he can hop into, you know, in a given week, he may run a, uh, you know, a pavement late model, then get in a dirt sprint car on Thursday, then they get a cup car on Sunday and win all three. Like the dude's just a pure racer. And so I was like, Oh, and then Byron, who's now the, you know, that's his, I believe that's his fifth win or fifth win of the year and stuff. And, and he, and he was the, he was the points leader. And now he's outright. You now he'll be the outright point leader after the reset now, because from True we was tied with him and stuff. Then the playoffs. You know we're on here, and I will say I now have to change my final four. I've I'm I've now lost faith in Truex Jr. making it making it to the final four. He's had horrendous cars the last four races, and I think he's going to lose out this round. Oh but man, that's I, that's tough for you. Yeah, it's but. He's it's been so bad. I'm like, oh, but 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 in the meantime, uh, Brad K's been been fast, so I've been happy with him. But right now, the bubble, the the uh, point line right now for the thing, I got the wrong tab. But uh, right now, it's uh, Wallace is minus two, Reddick is minus three, Blaney minus eleven, and Kyle Busch minus seventeen. With Brad K starting a little line now, plus eight going into Talladega, which is his best track by far. He's Got the most wins of there of anybody current and the second most all time behind the behind the legendary Dale Senior. So I think this is a good chance for him to win. He's been fast on the on the uh, mile and a half on the on the plate tracks this year with his teammate Busher, you know, and and he's also the only playoff driver to not finish outside the top ten all all playoffs. The dude's been consistent. He hasn't gotten that win to break the win streak, but he's getting close. But my final four are now. William Byron, Denny Hamlin, Christopher uh, Kyle Larson, and I think Chris Buescher sneaks in there. It's kind of a dark horse, and a lot of people think he'll make it make it past this round, but I think he has a good shot of making the Phoenix in, a, I guess, uh, five weeks, six weeks, I guess, is when they head to Phoenix for the championship. It's going to be fun. Well, you know your expert opinion, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. And I will say, somebody that came out today that I love, and I love it, the team's racing it, uh, this week, Stuart Haas Racing announced the 41 car is being sponsored by Wonder Bread, and the 14 is being sponsored by Old Spice Deodorant. Oh, yes, I did see this. It's going to be Talladega so, Nights at Talladega. Talladega Nights. <laughs> Talladega Nights at Talladega. Uh, they t- it got leaked kind of yesterday online where some public somewhere put out the little the Wonder Bread stanchions out, and, and someone saw the picture of it. But it's just kind of cool. Like, somebody was saying that they need to get uh, – 
uh, a Bush to, to, to agree to do some kind of, you know, sad, sad Claremont liquor thing for Har- for Harvick, and they need to get uh, Eric Amarola or somebody to do the me scheme and like that just to make the full team with it, you know. And they had a cool announcement. They changed their logo on social media to look like the, the race team's logos from the movie. They did a cool little video of it. It's kind of funny. I love it. I got it. They're Who's going to get to drive the it. Cougar car, though? Come on now. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Someone should have, you know, that it should have, you know, either Harvard, Harvard, Amarillo do it. And I'm like, I'm kind of like bummed Harvard's not doing it. I feel like he would have been, you know, the, you know the, the old Grizzly vet to do it who's having a bad year. But I think it's hilarious. I love when these brands are on board for it. I think it's good for the sport. It, it's got you guys talking about it. Like, I'm, yeah, it brings, I'm going to be, brings other people be, into it. I'm going to be driving home that day from Lubbock, probably. So I'll be listening to it on the radio. But I'm still looking forward to it. I'll catch the highlights. And I mean, it's Talladega, so it's going to be wild. I don't think either one of those cars will be anywhere near the front. But Chase Briscoe has said it. The 14 car said that he will be quoting the movie all day long just for the just for giggles. <laughs> so those in the, those in the stands there with the scanners will be. I, I think he'll get more 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 traffic on his station this weekend than probably ever before just to hear the quotes from it. You know, so that's it's kind of exciting. I'm looking forward to it. You know, we got two more races of this round. And this is the wild card round. We got Talladega, then the Roval at Charlotte in in two weeks, which anybody can win that. Then then we want to move on to the round of eight. So which I'll give you all more another update here in a few weeks, I guess, for that once we get closer to the playoffs ending. Yeah, definitely look forward to the upcoming races. And you're not going to get any of that insight anywhere else but here on the Sports Scramble podcast. So we appreciate our two guests joining. Chris, thanks uh, for spending your Monday night with us. Wade, as always. Thanks for joining with us. Uh, so that'll be it for us. Uh, a full menu of sports, and it's going to continue on both on Saturday and Sunday. So we appreciate everyone for spending your Monday night with us, and we will see you next time right back here.